All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode on Fit Dad Lifestyle. This, ep- this series is called uh, Fit Financials, and that's what we, we settled on. Um, so this is a series with Eileen Nolan and myself, and Eileen will guide us through some financial questions that we have and um, set us up for success uh, with the either savings or budgeting or maybe some suggestions on or some like I guess you were guiding and I was answering questions so if you guys have any questions that you want answered then comment or how do they send you questions DM me at my Instagram fit.dad.lifestyle yeah that's pretty much it. All right, so today we're going to go ahead and, and dive in. Um, so, I did send out an email and with a few questions to ask, but I did have one question or scenario that popped up uh, with someone that I know, and he is a city worker, and I'm um, pretty sure city, not county, and um, maybe county. Anyways, he had a concern about the pension plan and how this next election uh, could affect that. Uh, he's And again, he's talking about if the election uh, was won by Biden. So his concerns, how would you address those? So I think it's kind of funny that people... They, I feel like you hype up a president so much. You give him too much credit. Um, so just because we're change, if we change presidents or we're continuing with Trump, it's not going to drastically change your state pension plans or it's not going to drastically change the economy where all of a sudden the economy is like booming or all of a sudden stocks are crashing. You're going to see some market movements. Um, with the election, you've already been seeing that this week as the market's been going down because Nancy Pelosi can't make up her mind about um, the stimulus that they're wanting to do and we can't get an agreement of how much that we want to spend because Democrats are pushing towards uh, a lot of this extra expenditure towards like funding illegal immigrants and, and all of this extra money towards like small business loans and stuff like that and not getting it to a little bit of a more realistic number Um, because eventually with all this stimulus talk, we do have to pay that money back. So we have been printing a lot of money this year. So we're already looking towards inflation. So with that, the, the value of our dollar can decrease if we see a lot of inflationary activity and that's kind of what we're expecting, especially if wages start increasing, everything is just kind of pushing more towards that inflation. And especially if we have some of these wage, uh, we're voting in Florida on increasing minimum wage to $15 an hour, I think over a five-year period. And that's very drastic increase in wages. So it's a lot of push for almost like a hyperinflation in the economy. So when we get If we have those issues in the economy, then you start to see some changes to your pension plans because all of a sudden your pension isn't worth as much as it was before because 
the value of your dollars has decreased. So there's some concern with that, but the president itself isn't going to really change your pension because that's state run. Um, so the state determines um, kind of pensions. And so it, it carries down and then company run. Company can have uh, pensions if they choose to do that. It's not as common anymore. Usually you see more deferred comp plans if you have a lot of highly paid employees that they're wanting to get more benefit and then to keep and retain those employees or you have your normal 401ks, 403bs, 457 plans, like different, um, and 457 can be deferred comp plans as well, but different plans like that that you're more familiar with. Um, and that's money that you're putting away. And so I think one of the main concerns though is just what's gonna happen with the market um, if Biden gets elected versus if Trump gets elected. Do you wanna talk about that next then? Is that? I'll just keep talking. <laughs> so if um, well, well, going back to the state worker, mm -hmm. um, there's quite a few people that would listen to this, and they're probably employed by the state or some sort of government job. If Biden gets elected, is it a good idea to continue to work for that that company, like within the government, and just kind of wait it out until retirement, or should you move move out and try to do something else? Well, ironically, that with Democrats, it's actually, I mean, they love paying government employees. It's, and they, their actions, especially Biden's actions, kind of hurt the small businesses and more startup businesses. A lot of his tax plans that he's proposing, and then also he's made mention of making it more difficult with this coronavirus, making a bigger deal out of it and mandating more restrictions. And all of those restrictions have additional costs associated with it, um, whether it's whether it's in some form of tax or it's in some form of like imposition on your business that's taking time and money and resources into managing it. It does cost something. So Biden really isn't for small businesses and really isn't that much for middle America. He's, he is, he's very old school. I mean, he's still talking about union workers. So he would definitely want to support government workers and other workers that would, uh, vote for him in the future and, and be more easily, uh, persuaded to like some of his other policies that might not necessarily make economic sense. So it's uh, it's better to join the government than to go against it. So <laughs> it's what they say: uh, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, but to me, it almost seems like some of the government jobs. It's going to be like professional sports players. Uh, they're paid very well while they're working during the season, but then when they retire, uh, they don't get any type of benefits. Um, it's just kind of like veterans. Um, even like whenever the, we have a um, medical plan for veterans and yet it is terrible and um, I believe that's influenced by the way that doctors are paid in the um, vet hospitals and uh, and then again like the prescriptions and how they're pushed on that um, but yeah the, the end game with government workers never really seems to work for the employee, unless you are so far up in government towards politics, whereas politics shouldn't be a career. Like well, that. 
It's really a time thing. So government employees actually make pretty good retirement uh, benefits because, and they're not usually paid as well in their job because it's it's a little bit more cushy. There's not as much job responsibilities, um, but their issue is is that a lot of the state finances is mismanaged or not used properly, and you see that a lot in anything that's government run. It's just inefficient. Um, because they really don't have enough pushing them to be more efficient. An open market and a free market usually pushes for better efficiency, better use of resources, uh, because you're you're in competition with other businesses. Government really isn't in competition with anything, so they have no need to be uh, overly cautious with how they spend their money. So that's where we run into issues with government uh, pension plans and they're decreasing in the amount that they're paying uh, for pension plans or matching or the benefits, or they try to do some kind of like loopholes where if you're not knowledgeable on your plan and the choices available to you, then you end up making decisions that actually you lose out on some money or you could have uh, made more or done something better um, making a different decision. So the pension plan specifically um, and a lot of the other like retirement plans, but pension plans specifically have a lot to do with interest rates and where interest rates are at. So interest rates right now are at nothing basically we don't have interest rates right now um so we are very 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 low so as interest rates increase you're going to see changes in your pension plan payouts because they they go based off that so your lump sum payouts are going to change because now it's going to be a smaller amount because you have higher interest rates so it's kind of balancing what you would be getting paid over time so as those interest rates increase your lump sum payout actually um, decreases because you're expected that if you take your lump sum you're going to get that higher interest rate to compensate for the difference in your monthly guaranteed pension amount um, so you're just kind of reviewing those options that you have. Usually you have a few different options to choose from when you're actually going towards retirement and different plans to choose from as well when you are a government employee. There's not just one option. Um, but I mean, that that's a more like a deep personalized type of conversation that you would have with a financial advisor under probably a financial planning agreement is usually how they advise on those plans uh, because you don't bill on those assets. They're outside of an advisor's uh, scope of billable assets because it's with the state plan. Um, so that's when financial planning comes into play and you can kind of forecast and see what options are best for you. Mm -hmm. All right. So now that we have offended every Biden supporter and they're no longer listening, uh, we'll go on <laughs> with uh, the topic. So going back to the this current election, that's happening pretty soon. And uh, what today's the October 29th, so November 3rd, Election Day. Um, Next week. So what can uh, middle income class and lower income class families do to prepare for what's ahead in both situations, whether Trump or Biden gets elected, um, what, what should be, I guess, the top three things that's a priority? 
Well, I say firstly, not to overreact or act too emotionally um, based on a president. We have, um, I mean, the president doesn't, it's not a dictatorship. So the president really doesn't have as much power as people think that they have. They have influence, yes, but they're just part of the executive part of the government. So they really don't have that much power. They're not controlling the stock market they're not controlling these individual companies so sometimes you just need to take a step back let's not react too much to what's going on in politics because you'll see some slight slight fluctuations in the market based on the politics but overall it kind of works itself out you actually see more fluctuation based off of what the treasury is doing um, if they're tightening or if they're easing off so we saw some fluctuations last year because of the trade wars, but also because of the treasury um, increasing their rates. And so that kind of tightened the market. And so people were worried about that. That has much more of a influence on the market than a president has over a period of time. So if you actually look at the history of presidents and market performance over time, it really doesn't make that much of a difference if there's a Democrat in office or if there's a Republican in office. You actually see um, some of the best market performance when there's some kind of mix, like where you have maybe a, a Republican president and you have like a Democrat House or vice versa. If you have a Democrat president and the Republican House and Senate, the market's going to do just great. Um, so don't overreact uh, just because the politics seem like it's going to make all of these crazy changes. And also don't, you can't, like don't expect that there, that Biden's going to do what he says he is going to do. Um, I think a lot of, well, I don't know how much I, how you can say that, but some presidents don't necessarily do what they say that they're going to do while they're campaigning. Trump is actually pretty good about, um, he does what he says he's going to do. I mean, every once in a while he might change his mind and for whatever reason people think that he's a liar. Um, but he overall has a goal in mind and he wants to achieve that goal because he's very business oriented. So his big thing with the last time he was campaigning, he wanted to build a wall uh, to separate America from Mexico and make the Mexicans pay for it. That was his big thing. That's what he did. He built a wall and then he renegotiated uh, trade tariffs and everything. So basically Mexico is paying more for U.S. goods. Essentially they're paying for the wall. And then he's renegotiated a lot of stuff. So he he wants to get stuff done basically. So if he says something, I would kind of listen to it a little bit more, but he's not going to make any drastic changes because he's already been president and he's just going to continue doing what he's doing. Um, but if Biden becomes president, then um, most of the high net worth individuals are really going to be affected, especially with their estate planning and some of the changes that are going to occur for taxes. We've got tax rate changes starting for 2021. Um, so tax rates are going to increase. So if you're middle class or lower class, you might be able to take advantage of doing some planning as far as like Roth conversions or something like that um, to to uh, try to 
maybe take advantage of lower tax rates now. We're also going to see an increase in deductions, though. Um, so it makes it makes it a little bit easier if you're doing standard, but most middle class and lower class are already doing standard deductions. Um, but just, just kind of keep doing what you're doing and don't stress too much. Just make sure that you're, you're saving. But again, with inflation, I guess, thirdly, is making sure that you're not just keeping all of your assets in cash. Um, so if we get to a point where we're having a lot of inflation in the economy, you do kind of want to be in equities because they're able to capture some of that inflation. And then as interest rates are increasing, I don't think that they're going to increase anytime soon. Um, but as interest rates are increasing, then you kind of want to stay away from those locked in like CD rates or um, for anyone that still bought CDs um, or any kind of like fixed asset where your money's kind of stuck uh, for a period of time. You can have money in a money market fund or something if you need liquid assets. You want to make sure you still keep enough uh, to cover liquid expenses and emergency funds. But just try to invest your money in, in something that you think would be suitable, that you're comfortable with investing your money in. Um, but... I would think a little bit more equities would would probably be uh, probably be a good choice, but it just it depends on your overall portfolio and what your goals are and your individual needs. Um, does that kind of answer the question? Yeah. Okay. Um. So going back to the questions. <clears throat> Okay, um, so what about the the risk of living beyond our means? Um, right now is probably not the greatest time for people to use credit cards or to try to leverage debt um, because the, their future may be uncertain to some degree. Um, and we have already seen some credit card companies and banks suffer from the this forced close downs or lockdowns from different states. Um, well, I really think that's that's a job issue, though, especially if we're going to increase wages. So if we get inflation, your debt is now worth a little bit less, like it's easier to pay off because now uh, wages have increased. But are you going to actually get that job? Because if Biden gets passed, he wants to pass some kind of, um, they're like naming it the Amazon tax, but basically like a, a different type of alternative minimum tax where he's wanting a 15% off of, um, off of their, Oh, what's it called? Um, the book value. Um, so it, adds a lot more taxes to some of these companies. Amazon offers a ton of jobs for uh, individuals, but then all of a sudden you're increasing the cost of those corporations to have employees and to sell their products. So they're going to increase the cost of products and they're going to increase, and they're going to have to um, find out ways to try to decrease uh, costs to be able to kind of get back that that revenue um, that they would have otherwise had if they weren't paying such ridiculous taxes. So in the end, when you're when you're taxing corporations so heavily, 
the consumer is the one that really pays for it. Cause it's not like the CEOs are going to take huge paycheck pay cuts. Um, it's not like executives are going to be like, oh, okay, let's, let's minimize our, our income now because now we're having to pay more taxes. It doesn't really work like that. Um, so it's going to be a little bit more competitive in getting a job, especially after people have been unemployed for so long, you're going to see, a lot of jobs continue to open up as things get back to normal and people want to spend more money and they feel comfortable doing that. But you're going to need to actually work to find something that's going to be reliable for you to pay off of all your, all your debt. So do you think it's a good idea for people to start their own business? Because uh, there's a lot of mm. people trying to start their own business because of the work situations that they have whether it be they don't have childcare or they don't get the recommended hours that they need or they are limited on how many hours that they can work a week. Um, some of them are just now resorting to their hobbies and trying to make money on that. Um, or there's even this crazy thing that has happened and um, apparently with the coronavirus, this is back months ago when it first started, the, um, one of the industries suffered and, um, because they couldn't do some video productions. And so they started to open up these OnlyFans accounts and they started streaming stuff that way. Um, so they make revenue that way. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of weird the way that people are, uh, investing their time to make some money. However, uh, when people do stuff like that, when they re have these live feeds that they get paid for, the consumers that they're uh, marketing and targeted are probably running out of money because they don't have a job themselves. So <laughs> then they can't get paid. So it's this world. And so now they're losing money and they're not getting paid. And so you see it catching up now. And um, I think that it's, it's concerning that... Uh, that they think that stimulus checks are going to help everyone whenever really it just needs to be opening up states and opening up businesses um, and uh, and avoiding the government aid, avoiding like more government aid to keep people more sedentary um, because I mean that's just going to continue to try to put a bandage over a wound that needs to heal. Well, it's also I mean it's also encouraging certain behavior. It's easier to stay home and collect a check and. Um, it's easier to think that the government's going to give a handout, but you don't realize that that handout is really going to cost you like 10 times more than what you're actually getting. So I think when you did the numbers of how much stimulus, these government stimulus, uh, proposals are actually costing, um, it's, I think it's around like six, six or $12,000 per person or something like you're paying a heck of a lot more if it was divided equally between each person of the U S um, and that's including children and everything you're paying a heck of a lot more than you're actually getting in your stimulus check, but it's just being added to the U S debt and we're just printing money to, uh, to try to, I mean, cover all of these crazy expenses that we're having because we uh, shut everything down in fear of, uh, of a small portion of the population getting sick and passing away um, from this virus. But um, 
to go back to your actual question, is it a good time to start up a new business? So it depends on really like what your skill set is and what kind of business that you're wanting to do. If you're wanting to do a business just because you can't find any other work, um, then maybe kind of reassess what your motivation is or what your goals are because um, it's very difficult to be successful in a new business. And especially with how taxes are and especially if Biden gets uh, elected and how some of the taxes might change for business owners, it makes it difficult to thrive um, when you're, when government's getting bigger and bigger um, and you're wanting to basically, I mean, start a small business. But you also, you have, also have a lot of over-concentration in some areas where everyone's trying to get into certain markets all at one time. So it's a great time to start a new business when you're kind of in a depression uh, because that's when you kind of, things kind of shift around and you can take advantage of those opportunities and then you can go on the other end and, and be successful. Um, but at the same time, you can fail miserably. Um, but you really just need to assess what your skill sets are and really what, what your goals are um, and go from there. So I would, it's kind of like a yes or no. It's kind of, it's kind of a personal type of question. It really depends on where you are at in life. So do you have any goals, anything that's been on your mind, nagging you to start a new business? If you have a plan in place and you have experience, then go for it. Don't let anything hold you back. But if you're just like, I need something to do, to make some extra money, then you're going to fall victim to a lot of these scam companies or scam businesses. Cause there's even a lot of businesses that are all over social media right now, telling people to start their own, um, life coaching business or sell these products for them or something like that. And you end up kind of burning yourself out because you are hopeful at the beginning that you're going to make all this money, but you pay them money so they're making a bunch of money from basically telling you that you can be successful but then when you go out to actually try to find clients like you're really not successful and you end up wasting a bunch of time and resources and it doesn't really turn out good for you in the end um i don't think i've i really haven't seen people get rich off of these like multi-level marketing type of uh, businesses. It can be fun if you have some extra time and you want to do something with your extra time, then do it. But if you're expecting to make a, a salary and replace your current job, then I would uh, probably make a different plan. Yeah, so that's going to be my next question. And um, oh, we're running low on the battery on my computer. Um, I'm also doing a live Facebook uh feed right now too oh. so oh, um yeah the camera's just pointing me but uh so i know we had this discussion argument discussion um <laughs> and i believe that someone should go and start a business and or start working for themselves and stop working for someone else when that hobby or, or side gig um, makes them a, the same amount of money that they're making at their current job. I think that's kind of like the break-even point. Um, and that's just me not wanting to throw all the eggs in one basket. Um, I, and there's mixed opinions on some people who say 
throw all of your eggs in one basket. You got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. And um, that's a very risky game, but they usually they have something to fall back on or someone to fall back on. Um, very rarely is it the, let's say, a low to medium class, income class family to where uh, one person can't hold the family uh, financially, like uh, keep them financially afloat. Uh, so the other person cannot just stop their job and do what they need to do. There's a lot of people out there, especially in the fitness industry, where they're bodybuilders and they can, uh, their spouse works a full-time job. They don't have any kids and then they just don't work and they be then they'll be a bodybuilder slash influencer on social media to sell you some stuff. Um, you know, stuff like what I was just drinking. I was just drinking essential amino acids by Chemex. And uh, you can always go on Chemex.com and use code FITDAD to save 20%. Stuff like that. So that's what people do. And by the way, that's real. That's a that's a real discount coupon. Save you money. Um, anyways, and uh, so what is your opinion on the the time to break away from your job if you have that side that side gig or that that hobby that can make you money? Are you in agreement or are you in disagreement? Hmm. Um, so again, I feel like it's, it, there's a lot of variables that come into play. So on the one point, like you don't want, I mean, it's just what you're comfortable with. So if you're comfortable with cutting down a lot of your expenses and cutting your budget super low and just kind of living out of your car or garage or with help from other people, um, then you can kind of put all your eggs in one basket. If you're not comfortable with that or you have kids to provide for other expenses, then you need to make sure that you're um, kind of either doing the side gig legally or um, you're just, you're making the most of your time. But then on the other hand, you also don't want to make it so that you feel like you're so stressed out um, and that you're doing too much where you you just don't do anything efficiently anymore and then everything's just kind of falling through the cracks because you're just trying to do too much at once. You need to be realistic with what you're able to do. Always remember that you can do so much more than you think you can, um, but at some point you do need to know uh, where your limits are as far as uh, your time management capabilities or your responsibilities. You need to prioritize them. Uh, if there's something that takes higher priority because you've got kids that you need to tend to then you need to make sure that uh, that they're not being disregarded because you're wanting to achieve some other kind of uh, goal so it just depends really on your situation but you also need to feel confident in the decision so you need to take some time think it over and then when you're ready to make that decision, just make sure that you're confident and you're going to actually follow through with it. And then when, when you're to the point where you're like, okay, I, I think this is good for me, I can follow through, then you need to go gung-ho and follow through with your decision. Or if you feel like you need to push aside your, your side hustle or your hobby for a little bit, just make sure that you're still making those small steps uh, to try to progress it. But at some point you might feel frustrated 
um, in your current job or feel like you really want to kind of transition, but you'll cut, I feel like you kind of know when it's time to push forward, when you stop making excuses for yourself and you want to take action, then that's time to take action. So you got some papers in front of you. Um, they look like they got some stuff on them. <laughs> I did. I printed out some uh, sales pitches. So wholesalers from investment companies have some really good presentations where they kind of go over hot topics. Um, so I had reviewed these like a week ago and then we sat down to do this podcast and I was like, I haven't looked at these in a week. And now they're kind of, well, I guess they're like a little bit old, but most of the information applies, but it kind of just, it goes back to what we were first touching on and just, uh, the politics. Everyone's really, everyone's really afraid about this presidential election. So it's interesting because I think, I don't know how many conversations I've had with people where they're like, oh, I want to hold off on investing or changing my investments or moving my account until after the election. Everyone's waiting until after the election. They want to see what's going on. Um, so basically what I had printed out was all about political landscapes. And it just had, it just went over charts and stuff about, um, financial conditions, uh, during different, uh, like monetary policy changes where you see huge influctuations, uh, with, uh, when like fiscal changes are made. Um, and then it goes over the markets for different presidents. And you see that there's like no correspondence between who's president and how the market's doing. Um, or very little correspondence. So you'd think like, oh, if if, uh, if a Republican is is president, then the market's going to do that so much better. Or, oh, if a Democrat is president, then the market's going to do so much better. And that's not really necessarily true. You'll have some stuff that is affected. So um, what is it? More recent stuff I've been reading about, uh, about just kind of what's expected as far as what are your market movers going to be if Biden gets elected versus Trump gets elected. Trump's more of like an overall, I think it's going to be better for the economy and for businesses to, to thrive a little bit more. Um, but under Biden, you'll actually see, I think you'll actually see some increase in, uh, Chinese based, uh, companies. So American companies that have a lot of assets or that purchase a lot from China. So, uh, investments like Apple or um, Microsoft even, and um, like Abbott Laboratories. There's, there's a lot of companies that have um, have a lot of interest in what's going on with China. So the thought process is if, if Biden gets elected, then a lot of these Chinese uh, trade wars are gonna be off the table because he's just gonna be like, okay, China, you can do whatever you want to now. Um, it's kind of the expectation. So. So some of those investments are likely to, to increase in value um, as we see some of that change. So you shouldn't throw like everything out of the market or think, oh, if Biden gets elected, the whole market's gonna go to crap and that's not really gonna happen. You're just gonna see some fluctuations in, in different uh, companies. So you just need to diversify your portfolio, make sure you have a plan, overall goal, and just kind of stick to that plan and, and choose uh, some investments wisely. I wouldn't go 
purchase purchasing a bunch of individual stocks in your account I would leave just a portion of your account to purchase more of those individual stocks that you can kind of uh, manage and and watch a little bit more closely um, but for the most part I mean I would just um, focus on purchasing like low-cost ETFs and low-cost mutual funds or something and uh, it just depends on what your overall goals are I don't want to go too far into... So under Biden, we're going to have a lot more Panda Express, portion cookies, <laughs> noodles. Um, it's going to be like little China everywhere. Sounds great. Um, so that's a lot of um, um, oh, a lot of information on where to put your money and such. Um, so is it... Uh, is Starbucks it a, is another one of those good ones too. They're supposed to be opening a bunch of stores in uh, China. Yeah, they, they sell... Um, tea um <laughs> so would it be smart for someone to seek out a um financial consult consult consultant or a financial advisor or a management like a financial management something i mean what what should someone seek out for if a like, like let's say Let's say there's a, let's say there's a young mom, and uh, they don't, and they're low middle, yeah, low middle class. What should she do in her situation, should, to help her um, prepare for the future? So it really depends on what your objectives are, what your assets are. So I, I can't answer that. Um, well, I don't need like numbers, but. What, what should be her steps? Well, budget so, and then financial advisor and then. So uh, it's, well, so it's hard. So you, you need to save. If you're saving something, it just, what type of financial advisor you're going to get um, is kind of based off of the assets that you hold and what you can kind of purchase and what's worth purchasing. So if you really don't have too many, like you don't have a lot of liquid assets to invest, um, then, uh, the advisors that you're going to get are going to either offer you less or you're going to pay higher commissions. So, um, so, I would first, first utilize your 401ks and you have advisors that are over those. So if you have questions, use those cause you're, they're already getting paid to give you advice on what to purchase, but you have sales uh, registered representatives or salespeople that are registered with FINRA that will offer you commission-based uh, mutual fund products and that's usually what you're going to go for if you have a lower amount of assets so say you want to put a, a few thousand or you want to make monthly contributions of like $150 a month or something like that um, you typically just you can throw it all into a mutual fund or you can just buy the S&P 500 it's SPY and just put all of your money into like a Fidelity account or a Vanguard account or um, any other kind of investment account and interactive brokers, any well, what anything about, like that. What about, uh, what about using that Robinhood app? Is that good? Robin, invest so yourself. Robinhood is geared towards millennials. They don't have advisors uh, that give you guidance, but there's a lot of, I've heard a lot of complaints about some of kind of like the recommend recommended investments that are like hot on Robinhood that they'll kind of um, 
will kind of pop up on your app as things for you to search or what people are searching for. And a lot of those investments are a little bit more hyped up on, uh, on what to buy. So some people are buying, I think I've seen a lot of Robinhood investors just buy some really like junky stocks that I don't know why they're buying, but they just keep buying into it anyway. So I don't know what Robinhood is sending as far as information, informational guidance, but I'm really not that familiar with the platform, all broker platforms, it's low cost. So they're all going to be somewhat similar as far as what you're buying because you're buying stuff from the exchange. The platform that you use, if it's Robinhood or if it's uh, Fidelity or Interactive Brokers or uh, Charles Schwab or so, so TD Ameritrade, they're basically all basically just you're basically you're paying, holding platforms. You're always going to pay some sort of fee. Well, yeah, you pay yeah. So, either a trading fee or if you're not paying a trading fee, then they actually add a little bit of cost uh, to the uh, cost of the actual stock. So so that's the key point, like I spread. think. So that's the key point I, I would would um, run across is, uh, you know, the influencers out there will tell you that you can make money using these little apps that they promote and they sell and you use their link and then it gets them uh, foot traction and um, clicks and uh, that makes them money um, and they use really catchy words like Robinhood you can make you know, invest your money freely and they use the word free a lot um, make you think that it's free investing which that's not true yeah. um, I've run into a lot of people that say that and it makes you think that you are a day trader <laughs> you I'm sorry um, but the average American uh, probably not a day trader nor do they um, have the capability of making smart Tr um, trades and investing their money wisely. If that were the case, I think there would be a lot less uh, of a um, gap in the middle classes. Um, and, uh, and that's just my opinion because I, I talk to a lot of younger people and they think that they can just download these apps and invest $2, $3, $10 here. And they're like watching their stock and like, oh, my stock's going up. And I, I mean, well, if you're, it's, it's, if you're investing that low amount, you're probably just being put into like an ETF type of thing, which it can go up in value, but it, it's, it's literally like you go to school for these things. Um, you do a lot of learning about finances and how to read the market. It's a, it's a skill, um, that you use and you invest a lot of time and a lot of effort and um, a lot of energy in there. Um, it's just like if someone was going to lose weight they're and they're new to it, um, they think that they're an expert whenever they know what a carb, fat, <laughs> and protein is. They're like, oh, and, and their calories. Um, and then they, they, uh, they, they lose weight and they're like, oh, because like we dropped this amount of calories, my calories are going down, my weight's going down. But what they don't know, like they just, they don't understand rebound effects, recompositions, um, adaptations of metabolism there's all these little intricate things that you just don't understand and then also what the norm is you know like and weight and weight loss losing five pounds a week is is not healthy it's more like losing 0.5 to one pound of weight not fat weight that includes water that includes math muscle mass bone it's weight um so it's the same thing when we're talking about finances uh to 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 sophomorically think that 
you have it figured out uh, when it comes to financial investments or how to plan for your future. I think it's, it's quite skewed based on who you listen to, especially now with the younger generation. You listen to a lot of influencers on social media and they're in it to make a quick buck. They are skilled sharks in the marketing game. They know words that will catch your attention. Um, and, and then we have the other side where I think the baby boomers might not be investing or might not be making the smartest financial decisions based on how they got their income. Well, I think a lot of times with baby boomers, you see issues with them not being honest with their advisor is probably the biggest thing is they, they overcommit uh, to certain things. They tell their advisor that they're going to live off of this much income or they're going to save this much or they're comfortable with this uh, because they think it sounds good. And then uh, it ends up being an issue down the line because it doesn't actually follow through with, uh, with their habits. So you need to actually be honest. If you're dealing with a financial professional, be honest with them. Uh, you do have to do a lot of work to actually find a financial advisor or a financial professional that is experienced and actually uh, doing what's in your best interest versus just uh, selling to you. So I wouldn't trust anyone on social media who's telling you, uh, what to purchase or telling you to purchase a certain investment before asking you any kind of suitability questions, then they are basically just in it to try to get some kind of incentive from that company or some other kind of incentive. Uh, and I wouldn't trust that advice. If someone is giving you unsolicited investment advice without knowing you, I would not trust them. Uh, then you get into problems where you're buying something that's unsuitable. A lot of investment really just has to do with suitability um, because essentially you're wanting, you're wanting to achieve your goals. So you need to first assess your goals, uh, discuss those goals, um, and then make a plan to achieve those goals and find investments that will, will help do that and make realistic goals and, uh, and kind of work with someone that will actually work with you. Um, but you find a lot of financial professionals that are in there just to sell you some life insurance. The insurance salesmen are the worst. Like they sell you a bunch of stuff that you don't need or they don't explain the product to you. Or if you don't have money, you can't find an advisor that's that you're like, you're not worth their time type of thing unless you pay them a large financial planning fee or something else. And they just, they just kind of throw you aside um, because more you don't really do more high level planning until you have a good amount of assets. So a lot of it, there's really not that many great resources. You have to do a lot of uh, reading on your own to kind of understand certain things. And there's a lot of articles that are out there um, that have good information, but sometimes it's interpreting those articles to really apply them to your life. Uh, you're an individual and your circumstances are unique, but you can be lumped in with a bunch of people um, that are similar to you because there are like situations. And, um, but I mean, generally, if you're purchasing an ETF or a mutual fund, I mean, most of the mutual funds pretty much perform somewhat similar depending on uh, what cap they're focused on and just depending on on a, how detailed I want to like get into this. This is like three different conversations, but, yeah, well, but well. I, I did, I did want to mention. So with, with people with day trading and, and trying to invest and trying to be really, uh, trying to be smart with your money to make money 
purchasing individual stocks and making decisions based on market movement and trying to time the market and everything like that. So over 20 year annualized returns, so from 1999 to 2019, US stocks performed an average of 6.1%. Government related bonds, so bond market 5%, uh, which is probably higher than what you thought. Um, inflation and the stocks is probably lower than what you thought, um, but there are some loser stocks out there. Um, inflation is 2.2%. The average investor, 3.9%. So if you've got bonds that are, I mean, generally you don't think of those as huge uh, growth performers or anything like that. They're paying uh, dividends to you, but uh, you see some fluctuations. We, lately, they really haven't been increasing in value because interest rates were going up. Now that interest rates have gone down, uh, some of them have de uh, increased in value. But average investor, 3.9%. And that is because people react too emotionally and they are making it too complicated for themselves and trading too frequently. Um, over a period of time, you actually see that passive trading usually ends up being better because um, you're kind of waiting out through some of the movement. And over time, the market usually, I mean, it pre performs positive results over 75% of the time. So if you have patience and you're able to put your money aside, um, then you're doing a good job. You don't have to be trading or looking at the next hot stock or, or trying to capture... Um, which mutual fund was the best and trying to like invest your money in that because then you're just chasing uh, positive returns on funds and you end up paying more uh, to do so. And um, so you just have to kind of get away from some of that behavior that you're drawn towards. And that's when hiring a knowledgeable professional or just listening to more information on uh, on how to react and everything and getting getting good resources to help guide you uh, really helps with investing. All right. So if you're like me, that's a lot of uh, words and acronyms like WTF. What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> you might need to re-listen to this and um, have questions, but I, I think we, we get an understanding, a clearer understanding of what to expect with this uh election coming up and some of the things that you may have to do on your end to prepare yourself for financial success in the future. Um, so kind of some ideas thrown into your head. Uh, the next episode uh, will be more specific and um, driven toward uh, just one certain topic um, that it's It'll, it'll mesh with this very well. Um, other than that, this was recorded, part of it was recorded live on Facebook and will be up on my Facebook page. Um, and anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Okay. I think we've talked a lot. All right, my friends, that's it for today. Good night. Tonight. Good night. Stay, stay financially fit.